You are listening to the Amodamar podcast. In this series, Amoda explores her essential teaching through conversation and excerpts from interviews and events. To find out more about events and to sign up for her newsletter, go to www.amodamar.com. Please subscribe, comment and share if this podcast moves you. And if you feel called to donate, please go to the website. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy. Greetings, everyone, <clears throat> and welcome back to another podcast with Amoda Ma. Hello, Amoda. Hello, Kavi. So it's been a while, um, uh, and we have put out a couple of, uh, of of podcasts where Amoda was interviewed on on somebody else's show, and uh, and that kind of calls attention to to today's podcast here with me, Kavi. I just want to make sure that that those who are listening uh, know that this is an unusual conversation between Amoda and, and, and myself. It's not an interview. I'm not interviewing her for the interviews. She goes to people who actually are good at interviewing. I'm not actually very good at interviewing, but I am pretty good at having a conversation with my wife who is also a spiritual teacher and these are much more kind of informal um inquiries yeah investigations where i can prod and poke around and and we can just sort of between the two of us you know see see what arises uh, i try and defer as much as possible to a moda because most people are more interested in her than me um but occasionally i feel called <laughs> just to to contribute in some kind of way. So if that offends you, I'm sorry. And if it doesn't offend you, fantastic. Let's keep going. So having said that proviso, here we are. Welcome back to another podcast with Amodamar. Today, we're going to improvise this particular kind of exploration, loosely entitled Amoda's Travels in India. Yeah. It's not really just a story about Amoda's travels in India, but you know, we, we, we there, there are many spiritual teacher, uh, spiritual seekers, and spiritual teachers who either have been to India or seek to go to India, or have had a good experience or a bad experience, or you know, whatever in India. So it's an opportunity just to kind of explore the the uniqueness in a way of the of the India experience as it as it arose for you Amoda I know I had an experience I had my experience in in India and it is a very unique place um and it does something very special I I, I it's my uh, observation so I'd like to kind of explore that a little bit if possible. Yeah, we're not just talking about the Taj Mahal and the sites that have, have been seen or, or the Goa scene or anything. So it's hopefully a little bit deeper than that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Amoda, when did, well, let's just start this. When did you first go to India and why? If you choose to start at an entirely different place, that's okay as well. I well, the first time I went to India was uh, 
I think, 1992. Why I went, I have no idea. Well, I have some idea, but it wasn't a grandiose idea. Um, I visited India several times after that, I think. Um, And then I'll skip very quickly to the primary time in India in 1996, partly because that's the one that holds the most meaning and the most um, teaching to me, you know, personal growth for for myself, and also the one that I remember. (laughs) I don't really remember (laughs) much of the the previous ones, yeah? You Um, also remember the the ones that we did together. Well, that's after 1996, yeah, quite some yeah. time after 1996. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So fr- from that point on, so we can start there if you want. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. About <clears throat> Yeah. Um, 1996, I went for a specific reason and I went for some time. I can't remember. It, it wasn't a long time, but it was several months at least. Um. <clears throat> I went with the distinct purpose or intention of, um, should I say, finding myself, Um, finding myself in the sense of having been very embroiled in a turbulent, intense relationship that I both never wanted to leave and totally wanted to leave at the same time. Um, You know, remember I'm still in my thirties then early uh, mid thirties. So still very much on a path of self-discovery. I felt that being that far away from the relationship would allow me to discover something about myself um, that that I wasn't able to in a in a codependent entangled relationship. Um, that's one reason. Well, that's the primary reason. I w- I did go directly to Pune to Osho's a- ashram. Um, uh, he had just left his body a, a year or so prior to that, maybe two years. Um, I had been introduced to to the ashram in Pune several years prior to that, but only um, for a very short period of time where I tried some of the active meditations and and very much felt uh, resonant with that, Um, although a little bit overwhelmed by (laughs) the... um, the vibration somehow, the, the 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 teachings, the satsangs which were recorded, but left me uh, partly feeling like I was being brainwashed, only in the sense that I couldn't make sense of what was being said. But I did very much resonate with some of the meditations. Anyway, so I touched on it, got a got a feeling for it, and thought, well, maybe I'll just give myself to this. There's there's a lot I don't know but it seems like a space where I can just go and find something out about myself. And that's where I went. (laughs) 
<laughs> what did you think you were, did you have any more <clears throat> distinction than uh, finding out something about myself? What is that? What is that? What's that mean? I just had to be away from my relationship. At so the time. it was as much moving away from as moving towards something. It was. Yes. I, I, I knew that I, I sort of had a sense that by traveling on my own in that way, which I had not done before, by going to India, that I'd only, I'd been to India several times, but for very short periods of time, a few weeks, and with my relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, and and not to any sort of spiritual center, if you like, mm-hmm. um, uh, which was an opening in itself, but 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 a, a, a different kind of opening. Um, so I, I I sort of got a sense that by being on my own, um, traveling and exploring and sort of following my own impulse, making my own choices, being away from my usual environment um, and being in an environment where uh, meditation was at the core of it and and not uh, just sitting silent meditation. I'd, I'd done a lot of that. I'd gone to um, Buddhist monasteries all around England um, at various times and immersed myself in that. So I was very familiar with meditation in that sense, but this was much more eclectic, much more, yeah, as everyone knows now, all the, uh, the active meditations and then there's the tantric meditations and there's all sorts that we don't know about until we go there um, and dive in. I just got a sense I'd, I'd find something out, find out who I am. I don't mean in some, you know, non-dual sense. Or, uh, that's not what, what I was following at the time, but just find out who I am as a person, what I want, what I'm following. Um, I don't know, just who I am outside of a relationship. Were you, were um, you, were you was, was the relationship, were you in crisis at this, at this point? Very difficult to say because uh, if you mean chaos by crisis, that was from the day one. (laughs) (laughs) Truthfully, that was from the moment we met. I I don't particularly want to go into specifics here, but it had that quality. And, you know, perhaps now I would simply walk away from from that. Well, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but at the time I was both drawn and drawn to it yes. and repulsed by it or repelled by it. But, you know, I, I, again, just to put it into context, it was one of the most um, powerful episodes of my life. Yeah. 10 years it lasted. And as you know, Kavi, mm. you, you're familiar with, with, well, you're familiar with that relationship because you were around then as well. Um but um yes just for the just for everybody who's listening i know the i know the man in question he was 
he was actually pivotal in a strange way, in well, not strange way, in uh, in introducing Amoda and I to each other because he was the producer of the rock and roll band that I was in, as well as being her Amoda's husband. And uh, as, before years before any anything happened between Amoda and I, even before we were working together, I was aware, even on the very periphery, of the volatile nature of this. Uh, of this relationship between these two beings who I really didn't know very well. I knew John, actually, the, the husband, more more than I, I knew Amoda at all. But I heard tales and it was, you know, it was pretty volatile. You, you know, he, of, he was a wild and beautiful and unique uh, and eccentric guy. Uh, yes, so in, talented. in the music world. Very Such talented. talented genius. I, I loved him. So, we, we, yeah, we're not. He was a beautiful guy. Uh, yeah. He still is, yeah. Yeah. Both of us were much younger than we are now. Both of us had much to learn. And our personalities or our energies were in some ways opposites. The opposites pulled us together and the opposites pulled us apart. And um, so it was a journey, a journey where I learned a lot. Yes, uh, yes, about relationship, about myself, about all sorts of things. So anyway, it was necessary. But I, at that point, um, which was kind of halfway through the 10 year mark. Yeah, uh, it was high and low all the time. Yeah. So I, I don't know what happened, but there was a sense that I had to just leave. I mean, we weren't living together at that time. We We did have very independent lives on, on, on that level. So it was quite unconventional anyway, but it, it, it just felt something called me, something had to, yeah. So that's, I went to India. So then, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I, I get that. I think we get that. Uh, what then transpired? In a nutshell, What I came face to face with when I say I had a sense that I was going to discover something about myself or find myself, what I faced immediately and as an ongoing theme, perhaps, was fear. Fear of being alone, fear of being with others. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the two great fears. (laughs) Just fear. Fear of being myself, whatever that means. Fear yes, of being seen. Yes. Fear of being unseen. So fear be- became a big thing. I, 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 I yeah. And and so uh, that was a kind of running theme. What actually transpired on a on a sort of uh, circumstantial level was that I spent some time uh, at the ashram in what we might call psychodynamic groups, yeah? Um, (laughs) Primal therapy, this therapy, that therapy, groups where you face yourself, expose yourself, breath work, tantric work, primal work, uh, all all sorts, dynamic Dynamic, uh, energy work, uh, fabulous stuff. Not that I was totally unfamiliar with it, but this took it to another level. Also on a circumstantial level, I had to find my way through the maze of India, finding somewhere to live, um, finding a way of, of feeding myself. I didn't have that many resources. 
um, finding a way of just managing my time, finding a way of managing the <laughs> the uh, approach of the opposite sex, <laughs> which happens a lot, <laughs> especially when you're younger um, and in that environment. Um, and, and, and managing that, finding my way through that, learning where I had um, in some ways been, uh, well, yeah, codependent, unable to say no or unable to say yes or following my own inner impulse rather than someone else's. All of this was very valuable. And I also uh, find myself leaving the ashram. I can't remember why, but again, a conglomeration of... Uh, things, um, I ended up quite a long way away on a beach, totally on my own. I was meant to be with other people, somebody I'd met, uh, a girlfriend, uh, but for some reason she went off somewhere else. As in India, you just kind of follow your own flow. Yeah. Um, everyone does. Uh, I, I, this was, this was particularly poignant to me. I ended up on a beach quite a desert. It was a deserted beach, actually, um, in a very small hut, very, very primitive, which I'd experienced before, but night, complete dark, sea, nobody around. And yet there's a fishing village somewhere, um, totally on my own. Um, I, I ended up there for quite some time. I can't remember, a couple of weeks or something. And I learned, I, I faced the fear of being alone. I mean, totally alone. Um, sitting on a beach at night, totally dark, alone, or first thing in the morning. And it can't, yeah, it, 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 it was a fear that I hadn't, faced before and you know the fear the fear of being well very much the fear of the unknown um unknown country unknown environment mm. unknown circumstances um there, there was a great nakedness in that that um i didn't know you know i wasn't doing it consciously that's just where i happened to be It was only when I left after a couple of weeks and took the bus back to the ashram that when I entered the ashram, it's more like a little township, if you like, I had a very different sense of myself. I think that was one of the first major mm. experiential um energy an experiential energy of surrender i i i i surrendered to that unknown i surrendered to the uh, aloneness and a whole kind of burden that i didn't know i was carrying but had some vague sense of fear fell away fear of my survival fear of being seen Fear of not being seen and not being taken care of. Fear of being invaded. Fear of being left alone and abandoned. It's like it all came undone. And I was able to enter the ashram and somehow 
be in my own flow completely. So all yeses and nos, all natural impulses to go here, do this, be still, just arose very naturally. So it was a great naturalness. And it's from that point on that I was really able to be um, totally present and naked, sometimes literally, in the meditations not concerned with any need for acceptance or approval from the group. Yeah. Cause there are many groups and cliques and uh, so on. Like there is in any culture, uh, I was totally in my own zone and that was beautiful. That was the first time I think I'd experienced that. And it led to, I think, and again, this is all in retrospect. I couldn't have described it this way at the time. It's how I'm, how I experienced it after that. Um, it sort of led to a very seamless experience throughout the next few months. It was just seamless. It's like one eternal unfolding, and. I mean, some of the meditations were sublime. It's like this, there was definitely a sort of energy that was coiling up my spine and, and it was, it was just beautiful. And, and, and then there was one time where I was walking quite early in the morning down a street, a back street, not, not in the ashram, but out on the, on the streets. And I think I was feeling very expanded or just, but also very natural. And these children, these Indian children, some of them beggar children, I don't think they were beggar children. They were just playing in the streets. And all the way down the street came up to me and touched my third eye. And I was like, wow, this is strange. And I think there must have been a beam of light coming out of my third eye. That's what it felt like, this golden light. And that actually stayed with me. What stayed was this sort of point right here, and as if I was actually located there. And from that point, it's like I, I could watch everything. And I, and I wasn't limited to this and all concern for the, for the self had sort of gone. It was just this very expanded view of everything and a still point. It was very still. And that was actually quite close to the end of my time there. I'll jump to the flight back to London mm. on the flight back to London. Of course, the the chaos and the activity of catching a flight, packing oh, bags from, from India, from this expanded. <laughs> yeah, this was like shortly after this, back to London. <laughs> yeah, and then as you as you land, this sense of coming back to a very linear three D reality, 
if anybody the... has ever done that, you know, <laughs> you'll know what the, what that means because yeah. it's the, you know there's a there's a, an innate, even regardless of what you're talking about, whether it's it's it looks like the ocean or the sky, and then you sort of and everything's diff, t- totally different. All the shapes around, for instance, over there, everything's soft and round, and and then you get back into the Western world, and it's all square and tight, and you know, uh, it's like self, self, yeah. self. It's you, you feel that anyway, really yeah, coming back right. from somewhere like that. Yeah, um, but this was on a different, a thousandfold uh, exacerbated because of this sort of consciousness point here. But the thing is, I. I didn't feel like I went back down. I stayed there effortlessly. Mm. So it all appeared like a dream that was just unfolding. And when I got back to my apartment in London, there was still this. And even when I met again with my (laughs) husband, it was still this. And it's almost like, in a most beautiful way, nothing mattered. <laughs> right. So, so you saw it. You you saw it as as the dream, samsara. I, in a I sense, saw it. Without, yes, yeah. yes. And even though I re-entered samsara, and the relationship took its usual course of ups and downs which it did. Sometimes it was exquisite, sort of ecstatic in some way. And then it would tumble into hell. Yeah. Even when it did that, there was still this and it was untouched. Now, I don't say that's awakening. That is not enlightenment or awakening. That did not happen for many years later. But I did know it was a, a, a kind of expanded state of consciousness or a glimpse of something which actually sort of dislocated me mm-hmm. in a good way from the, 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 the tight limitation of being totally caught up in the dream. So it was, it was a kind of meditative state or expanded state of consciousness and the meditations continued in that way. Uh, you can can I do you mind if I yeah, ask? Sure. Uh, you you had already had like experiences of psychedelics, so you were familiar with the uh, environment of transcendence. Let's just for for want of a better term. So you know it it was like it was like it's like that. Yes, but in a different way. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing you 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 kind of talk about. Yes, I I would say it was it was another, if you like, stage of the same kind of experience. Yeah, the first experience being in the psychedelic realm, LSD, even ketamine that that can be, yeah, um, give you a glimpse of of non-locatable consciousness. Yeah, not limited to this this uh, boundary of body, of mind, of self. Um, and that's that happens in an instant. It can happen in an instant through the psychedelic experience. Um, this was really much the same without the flashing lights, if you like, without the fireworks, but catalyzed by an actual in-body experience yeah. of being in, uh, yeah, an environment, yeah, 
on the beach, in the ashram, on a plane in India with other people on my own. Yeah. And so on and so on. So it was, it was, it was more embodied. Yeah. It was sort of transcendent, but embodied. So that was definitely, uh, in some ways, an, an evolution of that original glimpse that took place through through psychedelics and through long distance running. That was also a glimpse. So yes, so uh, that was pretty profound and well, very much that, something yeah. that set me on a different course. I mean, in, you know, if you were listening to that, you 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 know, from a certain perspective, you say, "Well, this is a this is a, a, a Kundalini experience." you know, where they ended up at, not at the crown, but at the third eye. And once the third eye connection had had arisen, it, it kind of never went away. I mean, I, you know, I have no idea whether that's Kundalini or not, but there's definitely a, a movement, a shift of, of energy, but also there's something latent within you, I think, that, you know, that, that allowed that to happen kind of relatively easily in a sense. Yes. I, I, I think it was Kundalini. I mean, kind, Kundalini is simply a, a release and a movement of energy um, from the limited to the unlimited. Um, so, but yes, this was, was very much, much that because when I came back to London and I, I would just sit and whereas prior to that, prior to going to India, my meditation practice was, meditation practice you sit you get into the posture you breathe you count and 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 you remain as the witness and so on this was just i sat and immediately i wasn't there and i experienced m- movement in the spine that would ah oh, and that would be bliss and there was no trying no I th- and this went on and and so it'd be an hour later and i'd be like oh i'm still here <laughs> so there was no meditation practice, really. It just happened spontaneously. It, it, it did sort of, um, if you like, sort of fade away or kind of integrate after a, a few months. But it was a two or three period uh, month period where it was actually very, I didn't speak to anyone about this. I didn't tell anyone. This was just my private experience. I didn't make a big deal of it. It's just what was happening. It was lovely. Did it change? (laughs) Did it, did it, did John, your, your husband, did he notice or did he, did it, did it have an impact on the the next wave? Cause you said that was after about five years and your relationship lasted about 10 years. So we're talking about an experience at a pivotal point halfway through. Was it, I, I mean, I know you don't want to talk particularly about relationship, but you know, why not? Um, he noticed initially that there was a glow, if you like, <laughs> I can't say that I could share the depth of that experience with him. He, he, that wasn't his really his realm. Yeah. Uh, or the conversations we were having. So, um, it sort of had a nice effect for a short while. And then we tumbled into hell again. Right. Yeah. Yeah, something like that anyway. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was what you were going to say. We stumbled it, along in and out of things for a few more years after that. 
maybe two or three years, I can't remember, but th- there was a few more challenging years and until uh, until it was def def you know it was obvious well it wasn't obvious it took it sort of happened by itself that we had to part very suddenly it wasn't containable anymore that that density of the hell realm was not containable anymore for me but i didn't make a decision it was just an energetic thing where it was not sustainable it just couldn't contain it couldn't keep itself together because something was taking place here that yeah and and maybe for him in his own way but not not in this way but his own growth had to take him in whatever direction it took him in but we we definitely had to part at some point we just so okay yeah so so what you know the 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 the, uh, the question in a way is which you know the, something was liberated for you in that experience in in india and but it's also it was india and, and and the ashram, yeah, all shows the experience of actually being in that. It wasn't just India; it was actually two environments, both within with, within each other. Because India, in the circumstance that you're talking about, would or might have a profound effect anyway. But that, in the context of uh, of the the dynamic or in liberating because everything that you kind of talked about is uh are are all um consequences or actions that are fostered and were encouraged or you know not encouraged but that's where osho's meditations much as osho being the kind of controversial figure that you know people talk about i'm not interested in that kind of stuff because those meditations were are were and are extremely focused yes yes especially if you're doing them five times a day every day for months on end <laughs> they're gonna they're um, gonna shake th- something there was up. definitely they're gonna do an impact yeah. yeah and 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 there's a last little piece since we're talking about that of the ashram before i got on the plane the very last piece was that if you like from that perspective that we're speaking of or that I had experienced and, and described to some extent, the day, the very day before the flight back, which was already booked, so I had to leave, the very day before, as I was kind of just finishing, if you like, business at the ashram, saying, okay, goodbye, I'm not doing any more meditations, I'm packing, I'm leaving, okay, that's fine. That very evening was um sannyas evening with the naming ceremony and i had no intention of being part of that a it was too close to my leaving time b i hadn't really considered it um and you know other people were doing it and i i tend not to follow what other people are doing <laughs> <laughs> I I, you're like a loner, a moder. You are a loner. Yeah, so I there is no find, two ways about this. <laughs> I wanted to find my own flow. If everyone's going to go to the naming ceremony, then I'm likely I'm to go somewhere in the else. Other direction. Yeah. So, um, and but something pulled me. Something at the very last minute, and I had learnt, yeah, or that's what was happening. I was following the inner impulse, even though the mind might say, don't go or do go. And I had no idea. I hadn't witnessed a, a sanya ceremony. I'd only heard about it. And so I found myself sitting there 
And of course, I won't go into the details, but I ended up, yes, with the third eye business and then walking out with a certificate with a new name, which I couldn't even <laughs> read. <laughs> which you couldn't even read it. I couldn't understand it. And and suddenly there's this name on <laughs> Amoda, which I'd never heard and sounded very weird and didn't sound very Indian or Sanskrit or spiritual, but actually is Sanskrit. Um, and it completely kind of, it sort of went through another layer of, of undoing something. I kind of didn't know who I was. You know, my, I, I thought, well, am I whatever my name was then, or which has a whole baggage of identity and history, or, or, or am I this, which is completely unknown? And what is it? And, or am I, or, or none of it, what does it matter? It's just a name. So it, it, I decided to kind of take it as an experiment, as an experiment. A, what does it matter what you're called? B, doesn't, what does it matter what it means? And C, what happens if you drop the baggage of your inherited identity that comes with a name that many people don't examine? So it was a kind of psychological experiment to me rather than taking on a spiritual name because it didn't seem spiritual to me. Amoda, if anything, sounds like fashion. In Italian, moda, la moda is fashion. So that's all I knew that I'm, I'm not Italian, but my stepfather is Italian. So I was like, this is strange. So it wasn't spiritual to me, it, but uh, you know, until I discovered what it meant, and all oh, that's very and what, nice. And, and it means it means joy. Yeah, it means life of joy. It, it means a living a joyous life, yeah. a moda ma jivan, yeah. or yeah. jivan ma a ma moda, I think, or ma jivan a moda is the right. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I played around with that just to make it fit in, um, but uh, which which also had an impact because I actually had been quite prone to melancholy and. Um, maybe not depression at that point that had passed, but I was with a tendency towards melancholy, not, not joyousness, or at least I didn't think I, I did. Um, <clears throat> that's not how I experienced myself um, as joyous. So it was like, this was a new kind of vibration. Um, anyway, I took it and that evening um, I was the sannyas celebration that follows the sannyas ceremony, um, which is basically one big party, but it's very, it's not hedonistic party. It's yeah. A, yeah, it's again, it's a celebratory party. Very light and celebratory. It's very light, yeah. yeah. Um, joyous. Yeah. Uh, but I went totally alone, utterly alone. Again, it was quite far out from the, uh, from the ashram. And I just... It was on a rooftop and I went in totally alone. But in that aloneness, I was totally free and also all one. I didn't feel the need to speak to anyone. I didn't feel the need to be, you know, approved of or belong anywhere or included. I didn't have a single drink. I was just, and it was just, again, a very ecstatic experience naturally. And I think how that was experienced. I felt like I'd merged into unconditional love, 
which wasn't from anyone, but I felt, I really felt Osho. I hadn't met him in the body. I'd absorbed his teachings, which by then were not so gobbledygook, <laughs> but you know, still it's, it's, it sort of bypasses the mind. I felt that it was one and the same. Yeah. Not that I am Osho as a personhood, but the, the essence of Osho and the essence of this are one and the same. And in that there's a, there's a wholeness, a completeness. And it's from that point on that the path of surrender or the path of path of unconditionality naturally unfolded. I didn't choose or set out that way to do that, to practice that. It just became an energetic field that had a resonance, a rippling effect throughout my life. So from that point on, yeah, the next morning on the flight to London and then the ups and downs of the relationship, from that point on, all there was was that. It was ongoing unconditionality, ongoing undoing of resistance until that allowed, although it was quite dramatic at the time, allowed the the, the limitations of that relationship and my identity within that, within that relationship to come undone. So it was quite dramatic on a personal level because it hurt a lot, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. dear. oh, dear. But on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a truer level, it, it was a, a natural unfolding of, of this ongoing uh, unconditionality to what is, which is liberation. So it was, <laughs> yeah. Extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. It's so extraordinary in so many, I know that I know all about you. I know the story so much, but each time you tell it, it's got another fragrance of depth where I see, I, I see you, you know, and, and, it, and it is quite, it's quite exquisite. I must admit is to listen to, to how it is because I, I know, I know your story and I know what you <clears throat> were like before, even though I didn't know you, I knew what you were like when, and a very, a very concealed person a very, not, I wouldn't shut down, but obviously with a, you know, really pretty closed, closed in. Yeah. And muted, <laughs> the muted person in a, in a sense with that light that is just so vibrant within you and shining from you now, you know, that, 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 you know, there's, and then you kind of talk about the the name of joy because by the time you know I met you in 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 the early two thousands, and 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 I I I knew you now. I only I, I only ever experienced you as joy, not joy with a cause, but joy as an innateness. You know, it was like you 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 introduced me to the to the beauty of 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 joy for no reason not as a theory or a philosophy or anything, but actually as in the inherent nature of us. Wow. And I was like, really? I had no idea. I thought we were screwed up, you know, sort of 
dysfunctional at our at our heart but you you know that and and i and so what i hear is that whole movement you know that your life is a movement isn't it a wave you know that was absolutely necessary for you to to go through that it was it was the precursor it was the it was the preparation yeah not knowing that, but it was definitely see, seemingly the, the 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 precursor or the preparation um, for the unexpected. <laughs> oh, everything's unexpected. I didn't expect any of that, but um, un unpremeditated, un un yeah, practiced, uh, unexpected. Uh, liberation from the core structure of separate self. Yeah. Like once again, the main pin. Yeah. This, this was all happening, if you like, as a preparation from the periphery coming closer to the main pin. Yeah, the periphery being the relationship, my personality, how I was with groups, how I was with being uh, alone, traveling. This is all on the periphery, if you like. And it got seemingly closer and closer to the main pin, which was catalyzed by that ending of that relationship, which then catapulted me into another layer of aloneness, of an existential aloneness. Again, not to do with circumstance, but existential. And and then after a couple of years, (laughs) unexpectedly that main pin came undone. And that's liberation from the the me identity that is a separate self. And then from that point on, as you know, and we've spoken about, so I won't go on about it. Um, there is no more problem or concern for the personhood, no more trying to fix it or have a better life or have a better relationship. And in fact, no relationship. Fantastic. Because everything is until I came along and well, you appeared in that field. Yes. Shortly after that, a year or two after, but maybe about a year after that. I we've never remember. really, we've never yeah. really, either of us have thought about this as a relationship in a sense, have we? Now you I've never thought about myself as having a relationship with you. No, I, I, from that point on, that wasn't having a relationship. That was yeah. another appearance in the one, seemingly dancing as two almost for a purpose, yeah? Not a purpose, a conscious purpose of I'm going to have a special relationship or do something special in the world, but it had its own uh, creative or energetic field, frequency field that's, take you know, it's been growing or if you like, uh, yeah, refining itself for many years, but it's been moving through us. And that's not the same as having a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we've spoken about this many times. No codependency, no need, no blah, blah. (laughs) When I used to hang around with uh, the the shamanic guy, his his, uh, 
the the woman who was co-teaching with him was saying something about when when love calls or something when love calls there's a there's a there's the trumpet sound over the other side of the universe something is started in motion and when you speak to me about these sorts of things i feel like you know whatever happened to you in this crazy life that we live it called me and i had to completely you know leave my entire life really and i came charging across the universe in order to die <laughs> in order to die in in front of you so that i could just be of <clears throat> service in 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 this that 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 is you ultimately as you know and i know how weird that sounds but honestly in in my heart of hearts i I feel that very, very strongly. Yes. And the more I listen to you, you know, and I loved, loved the, this phase that we're in of you talking about kind of what's, what's, what's led to, to this, because I think that people, you know, see, see the, a human being, a human being who's also having, you know, is an extraordinary teacher in many ways, you know, and, and what's contributed to that, because you can't say, what what has caused anything, but everything is a is is a contributory factor, isn't it? You know, you didn't yes. plan, like you said, you went to India to 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 get away from, to get some space, to try and to sort of find yourself. But you didn't find yourself; you got closer to losing yourself. That's right. It did bring me closer to losing my myself in the most beautiful way. And I think, yes, I I I I, I think these conversations are. Well, they're both sort of interesting or fun for us to flow into. And, you know, perhaps and the feedback we get from from those who who follow us, who follow the teachings, who are immersed in the teachings, um is 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 valuable in that, you know, most <laughs> spiritual teachers, traditional and even contemporary have a persona, have a facade, and only certain bits of the story are presented. And uh, there's a kind of mythology around it, partly to do with privacy. I mean, why should anyone yeah. know your private life yes, and your background? It, we, yeah. we don't have to share everything. Um, and that's great. Why not? Um, but somehow, perhaps because of the two of us, we're compelled to share some of that. And I think that brings both a humanity. Sometimes it's misunderstood and they go, mm -hmm. oh, well, you're not a spiritual teacher. You're not liberated uh, as you say you are, or as you present yourself. And, and that's rubbish as well. Um, there is a very ordinary or extraordinary as we each are, uh, unique individual here who hasn't come through the traditional path of being born on a lotus flower <laughs> or, um, or having gone through, you know, some, you know, 10,000 years of Buddhist practice or whatever. Some of us don't have to. Yeah. When, when I, when I entered Buddhism, not as a teaching, but as a meditation practice, it was so familiar to me. It was like a thousand lifetimes of meditation. In fact, one of the first things that happened in, in Pune in the ashram, when I went there and I, I met a I don't know what she was, a psychic or somebody, a channeler. One of the, She put her hands on my body and one of the first things she said was, you don't need to meditate. You don't need to learn meditation. Yes, you'll enjoy it, but you've meditated for thousands of lifetimes. You've come here to learn to be embodied, to be human. 
yeah and so on and so on so liberation is is both being human but not not being identified yes i, I can just see by how the that human. <laughs> i can see how that is because i think also on the not just on the trans transcendent level but also on the the human dysfunctional level that there was a tendency in your life to dissociate to be like this you know and therefore to to uh, avoid the human experience mm. with all of its depth and its mm. you know you know pain and suffering and anguish and and all that kind of stuff and so <laughs> and so i ironically as she said the, the channeler you know your job is to do exactly what it's turned out that you're doing in life yeah. which is to speak to the human experience let you know it's like obviously the other has to be spoken to as well the context because it's not just whatever <laughs> but it's it's so paradoxical isn't it because even as you say that i'm actually not interested in the human experience <laughs> not because i'm bypassing or dissociating but that's not it's circumstantial human experience is circumstantial it comes and goes so uh, in that sense, it's whatever, <laughs> whatever, but there's also a movement of, of seeming, um, kind of purpose, something. Yeah. It's not like whatever. And, and there's a kind of laziness or giving up of responsibility or just being messy. Not at all. It's but tending- on the other hand, but on the other hand, it's not the, the spirituality that denies the human experience. When we say human experience, we don't really mean the human experience in a sense, do we? We just mean that it's it's here all the time. Yeah, we don't mean the human experience in terms of the obsession with self or uh, identity or possessions or acquisitions and what that means about me and success and failure or the unconsciousness of reactivity and uh, relationships based on the unconscious state and the battle of that. No, no, no. We're, we're not interested in that. That's gone, long gone, long gone. Um, there's nothing of that here. But simply the human experience of what is. Yeah. yeah. You stick a pin in my hand. Ouch. <laughs> Basically, yeah. My dog dies. Ouch. <laughs> all right. All right. That's... Yeah. So, so the, with, with, you know, it, I've just that on that, com- it's, it's very much the Promethean myth of bringing the fire of, in, in this case, enlightenment into human consciousness. Yes. Yeah. Being that's all. in the world, that's... but not of the world. Yeah. Which yeah. is totally and utterly Osho, which is totally yeah. and utterly Jesus. Yeah. So look, we, 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 I think we might have to draw this one, this episode to a well, conclusion. It's sort of some of India, isn't it? Not all of India. Well, we haven't even talked about southern India. I mean, when I was, I was just thinking about the experience that we had when you, we ended up uh, in Arunachala. We ended up in Tiruvannamalai. We ended up at Ramana's. Yeah, we ended up teaching in in southern India, we and you, I, we went up Arunachala one day, which is it's just. A mind blowing, and also you know my experience of India was is was very different to yours, you know. And I, but in a way, it had the same kind of effect because it just tore me, tore my English sensibility apart. I mean, almost as as we landed in the plane, you know, we got oh, through yes. the airport, and I was just toast, wasn't I? Because it forced me to surrender and I didn't want to surrender anything, you know? And yeah. T- I think if you're, I mean, we can just say that about India, if you're available, if there's yeah. something available in you 
for the ruthless invitation of surrender, then it's going to happen. Whether yeah. it means that you have to stand in the in the line waiting to get through passport control and you have to surrender in patience and just be there and be there in yeah, in presence and okayness, then it will do that. And if you're yeah. not available for that, then <clears throat> then most probably India the India experience will be rather yeah. unsavory or uncomfortable or or can spit, you, really. yeah, spit you out and spit you'll leave, you, you know, unless you do the total tourist thing. We're not talking about tourist thing. We're talking about India, yeah. India. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that was some time ago. I don't know what it's like now. I mean, yeah. who knows? <laughs> yes, I know all of those, those qualities that were alive in me, the, the uh, indignity of it, mm -hmm. the impatience Patience. of it, the, the, the rightness of it. Yes. Of it. Yeah. It has to be ordered. Yes. We are in line. So this person's first and yes. And this, but no, 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 it's much more chaotic than that. <laughs> it's almost, you know, honestly, just kind of wrapping up. I, when I, my experience very quickly was that there was some strange intelligence in India itself that knows who everybody is and it knows how much you're holding on to whatever vestige of self you're, you've got and it's going to come along and it's got your number and it's going to push your button and it will push and push and push and push. And then you either leave or you stay and you can That's stay right. and fight. And a lot of people do stay and fight or keep, you know, this is just my experience really. Or you stay and you just go, you know what, this is much bigger than I ever thought. And I, I start giving in and I did start giving in in a big way in, in that place. And then beautiful things happen, yeah. magical things, unexpected things. You know, they're, they're just small things or, I don't know, just something. something Surviving. <laughs> Surviving. <laughs> mm -hmm. Surviving. Just A certain okay. fullness of heart. Ah, unbelievable. And grace. Uh, yeah. I was, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I, I just speechless when it comes to that. So, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk again. Uh, well, we will talk again, but we'll talk again about India or something. We'll see. Perhaps. We'll see how it goes. But I, that, that, that really for me was a very beautiful conversation. And I, I hope that other people were equally as interested and, and, um, captivated by your, your story, which, you know, is, is, is very, uh, very beautiful. Very beautiful. Thank you. Um, okay. So I think we're going to, Shut up shop. Uh, we're going to go downstairs to the kitchen, see what happens. And um, please uh, share this if you're moved to. Um, subscribe if you can. I'm not sure what you're listening or watching it on. And uh, thank you very much for for um, being with us and uh, tolerating us while we voyage around inside Amoda's life. Uh, be well. <laughs> um, any final words, Amoda? Is there anything I've missed out? I don't no. think so. Thank you for thank you for listening. Not you, no, the others. <laughs> I haven't got any choice. <laughs> All right. Many blessings to each one of your hearts and many blessings to you, Moda, and uh, we'll see you soon.